Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SoCal Summer Swing Out Podcast. It is me, your host, Andre. So before we start the podcast, uh, if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram, Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed to this on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. But uh, this helps us with the algorithm, so don't forget to hit those links down below. Today, we have a very special a very special episode because we've been working on this for several weeks. I know that college scenes are starting to pop up now in the scene, and so we are trying to give them the information that some of us college scene leaders have used in the past. Both things that we have done well, things that we wish we could have done better. So if you are listening to this um, from a college scene, this is for you. There'll also be a Google Doc in the description that you can use. That's just some insight that we've had. So without further ado, these are our six guests. My name is Andrew Selzer, and I graduated from the Pennsylvania State University, also known as Penn State. The Pennsylvania State. Oh, I forgot that that's what you guys say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People confuse us with UPenn all the time. That's why we have to make a difference, which also no, no. had a very vibrant swing dance club. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So you were you the president or how were you involved with the club? Oh, yeah. Um, I was a co-president with a, uh, another dancer from Penn State, Brittany Tan, and we both ran the club at the time. And we also awesome. had like a few other people helping out as well. Gotcha. And I know that Michael was the one who told us to reach out to you. So what were the things that you saw were great when you started out this, you know, when you took over, what were the things that worked? Um, I think the things that worked is they had a good sense of like student government, like there was processes in place of, hey, when we need to elect new leadership, this is how it works. Like actually Penn State had the funny practice of the new leadership would, um, I guess, come into governance on April the 1st. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if they still have that tradition, but I always found that amusing. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And now that's like i'm assuming that that was a handover right so yeah what was the process of handing over that information or everything that you had done in the club until then to like minimize the gap knowledge gap there yeah i mean if i'm talking about what happened before me um we were told what our roles entailed um we were given all the information of very simple but important logistics how to reserve rooms um, where the equipment was in stored how to take care of the equipment um, what roles that needed to be filled that weren't leadership, like teaching, DJing, um, and also retrieving equipment, which was usually club officers, but it was nice when it wasn't club officers as well, just because you don't want to be, for those of you who run dances, you know the drill of hauling equipment forth, back and forth on a weekly or monthly basis. It gets old yeah. really fast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. Now, when you, we had chatted on Facebook, you had mentioned documentation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that got passed along as well. Um, and the documentation actually outlined most of this. In an ideal situation, this was explained by another club officer, but it was also set up if things got really bad, then every process was outlined. Yeah. And like the big ones are requesting rooms and requesting funding because those have dates. And if you don't meet those dates, you potentially can lose like the room and the funding for what you need to do. So it sounds like in terms of leadership roles, this is also a good professional opportunity to be able to document and run on dates and whatnot, yeah? Yeah, no, I mean, if 
for a lot of people wanted to be an officer for not just like the swing dance club, but clubs in college or university, because you can list it on your resume. It's something when you're interviewing for a job and they ask you the question, can you tell, tell us about a time like you dealt with conflict or tell us about a time you were in a leadership role, you have examples ready to go. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's actually something that you can put on your resume, right? That you were a leader or assisted with the swing dance club in college, right? Yeah, completely. And also like what role you do can help as well. For example, if you were a treasurer for a swing dance club and you're studying business or finance, that's something that you can list for your job in the future. Yeah. So that was another question I was going to ask you is I know different clubs have different leadership roles. So what was it like at the Penn State? Cool. Um, been a couple of years, so I might get a little of this wrong, but there's typically a president, a vice president, if there weren't two co-presidents, mm-hmm. and a treasurer. I'm going to bid on messing like a role or two, but those were the big ones. Yeah, and I think that tracks with a lot of other college scenes, because I remember I was yeah. a treasurer one year. Oh, yeah, marketing. There was also a marketing person to track all the social yeah. media and stuff. I think we also had a web person, if I remember right. I could be wrong about that. And like, actually with more mo- modern clubs, I have been seeing like treasurers, like social media for some clubs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Yeah. Now, the other thing I was going to ask was, you said something very interesting that piqued my interest in. It was on the Facebook post you mentioned, stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. Can you expand a bit on that? Yeah, so the idea is, a lot of young adults, including myself at the time, feel the temptation of like, I see the problems with everything. I'm going to be the one who fixes it. And that's like a very tempting feeling. But I think myself and many others can benefit of learning, hey, what's already been done? Talking Mm -hmm. to people who have experience and building upon that. And I think like, if you do that, you're saving yourself a lot of heartache that people already have, and you are less likely to make the same mistakes that they did. So if I were to summarize from my own understanding, it's essentially seek out advice from the people who've been where you were before. It'll create less headaches for you and better decisions in the long run. Yes. And just having, I mean, this is a life thing. Having more knowledge to work with is better. Like if you're, if you're doing something like running a dance, like that has been done for many years, like you can save yourself a lot of headaches by like learning the problems of like simple things of like how to, like when do you turn on an AC before a dance or like if you have a registration table, how many people is it helpful and then how many people is it that there it's a time to shoelace problem. It's too many people getting in the way. For sure. No, that's yeah. absolutely optimal there. And then yeah. the I think one of the last questions I want or two more questions. One of the last sure questions thing. I want to ask is. When it comes to instructors and teaching and investing in instructors on how to teach, what did uh, what did you all do in order to gain that knowledge? Yeah, I mean, I would say one thing we did, and this like goes beyond teaching, is if we've seen someone who is starting to invest in the club, like showing up a lot and, you know, asking questions, is reciprocate that. Like start saying hi, like making sure we're friendly, but also if they seem to game for it, give them small responsibilities. And I think a lot of times a, a rookie mistake to like organizing is people want to give 
inter like people who seem promising really big responsibilities and it's mm -hmm. easier to start with really small responsibilities and work your way up that is amazing okay yeah. dude such good insight before i ask my last question is there anything else that you want to mention that we didn't talk about so far uh, let me think about it i would say one of the biggest things like this is for college clubs but also just in general is consistency is a big thing if you're trying to attract people like i i understand everyone has lives they don't want to commit to having to do something every week or like the first you know saturday or or like thursday of a month but if you pick a date and stick to it it makes it easy for an event or a dance or class to gain, gain traction all right that is like perfect. Yeah, I always remember like Ben and Sherry's like third Saturday swing. Is that still going on? But you can't forget <laughs> it. You can't yeah, forget it because it's the name. Like that, that's how they get people. It's iconic. It's yeah, incredibly yeah. iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So the last question I want to ask you was the college students that are trying to organize a scene or that have a scene right now, if you had a message for those college swing dancers, what would that be? Um, I think the big message would be take like take care of yourself. I've seen a lot of clubs be successful, but maybe at the times of the expense of people running it, and you are more effective running the club if you're honest with yourself of, hey, how much time and like energy do I have to invest in this? Like if you need to like study to like do well in a class, that isn't worth like putting on a dance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's that's yeah. so true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be a buzzkill because I feel like I would actually say something about building things, but it's like I've seen a lot of people in college and outside like do some things like rack up credit card bills or like maybe because, you know, dancing is fun, but mm -hmm. sometimes you got to like take care of yourself too. Oh, 100%. Like I yeah. fully, I fully agree with you there. Yeah. Well, thank you. Andrew, uh, don't go anywhere after I stop recording, but uh, yeah, super sure appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. This is great. Anna Christian, University of Notre Dame. I feel like one of those like football guys when they're introducing <laughs> themselves. <laughs> Anna Christian, University of Notre Dame. <laughs> Tight end. <laughs> Tight end. Um, <laughs> um, so in terms of like, I'll start with the lesson plans because that's probably the thing I remember the most. Um, mm. So something that I tried to change a lot by the time like I started teaching and like organizing and running a club was being less like on the fly. Cause I know it's really like, especially with how busy like college students are, it's really tempting to be like, okay, let's meet 15 minutes beforehand. And we'll just like, oh, we'll teach this move, this move and this dip and cool, that'll be the lesson. And something that we started to do was like, actually put together a syllabus for the semester of like, these are the goals. These are the things that we want, like people, to, the skills that we want them to come away with at the end of the semester. And how do we work up to those skills? And we started doing a lot of research on like, how are the pros teaching down these basic skills? And um, we'd like actually put together a lesson plan. And anybody who is teaching that semester, we would do like a one day workshop for our teachers to make sure that we're all aligned in terms of how we're teaching things, because it's really easy in college scenes because you get, you know, 
people that have maybe been dancing for one year, they turn around a year later and now they're teaching other people. And like, you're still in your first year of dancing. Like you don't know anything yet. And now you're trying to teach other people how to dance. And this is where you get a lot of really bad habits being formed because you have a lot of people that have a lot of bad habits themselves passing them on to new people coming in. So we tried to be um, a little bit more careful about like, okay, if you wanna teach, great, we want you to come teach, but we're all gonna get in the same room, we're gonna take a day and make sure that like, we're teaching things the same way and like we're being careful about not creating some of these bad habits that will stick with people for years and years and years. So that was one thing we did. Um, and let's see. Um, we tried to like offer like multiple levels of classes. So we would have like our beginners like drop in class um, for people, but then we would also make sure that we were offering some sort of like more advanced lesson, um, mm -hmm. whether it was like the hour before the beginner class or another day of the week, but like something to keep our returning dancers like invested and engaged in still growing their own skill set, especially for people who were teachers or scene leaders. Um, we want to make sure that we are still continuing to foster their growth. Um, cause like the club is only as good as the most skilled dancer that is passing their knowledge on. So finding ways to, you know, keep them growing in that way. Um, but yeah, I think, um, probably like the two, like biggest things that I was always thinking about when I was thinking about like running my scene was kind of one, which was what, like the priority that I just said about making sure your returning dancers are always finding ways to grow and, um, you know, stay in, invested in the club and wanting to give back, but also how do you grow your membership with new members? So it's kind of like two competing goals at all times, um, because <laughs> they rarely are the same thing or the same solution for both. Um, so when it comes to like bringing in new people, you're like constantly having to brainstorm like ways of outreach on campus and, you know, what events can we go to? Where can we get visibility? Like, where can we show up and dance and have people be like, oh, that's cool, I'm gonna join. And once you get them in the door, like how do you get them to keep coming in the door? So yeah, it was really a balancing act between trying to like plan those types of events to get people in the door and then also like once we have people in the club keeping them kind of advancing so um yeah i <laughs> um let's see what, what was something else he said he said the board um so board wise like we had kind of your standard board we had like president vice president like, like treasurer there was one secretary who was in charge of like all the emails all of our like you know written outreach um we had we ended up having an instructor coordinator so that was the person that was in charge of putting together the syllabus for the for the lessons and then making sure everybody who was teaching was up to speed on what we were teaching they would make the teaching schedule so having somebody that's like that's their job is to make sure that they're you know putting together good lesson plans um and then we had like an events organizer where they would plan like if we were doing any travel as a group, they were planning that. If we were doing any events on campus, like if we were planning a dance or anything like that, um, we would have somebody that's kind of the person for that. And then one thing we added when I was there was we added like a freshman representative. Um, oh. And this was like our way of trying to like, 
gets like somebody new, like excited in leadership early. So like, you know, a first year who's new to the club and really motivated and excited. Um, we're like, okay, if we give you a position, then hopefully you'll like be somebody they'll stick with us for a while. And it also gave us like a voice on the board from the perspective of somebody that was new. So mm. someone that mm. only been coming for a little bit and was like, okay, you as a new person, what would make you want to keep coming back? Because those of us who've been here for three, four years, you know, it might be hard for us to think about like, how can we get like these freshmen or sophomores in the door and stay? Um, cause you know, it's really common that we would get people to come for two or three lessons and then they wouldn't come back. So we're like, okay, we need somebody that's sort of, um, keeping tabs on that and like maybe talking to people and figuring out like what's making them stay or what's, you know, making them not stay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of our like board makeup. Uh, what else, what else did you, what did you ask? <laughs> You know, I just have to say, this is why I reached out to you. You're like, so you knew everything out of the top of your head. You just like, boom, 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 boom. I knew you were the right person. Also, the uh, the the freshman representative thing, that is genius. You're the first person that's mentioned that so far. Yeah, we just like, we had such a high attrition rate that we, we were just trying to figure out like, how do we get people to stay? I remember one year we had like two or 300 people come to our first three lessons. Like it was insane. And then after three mm -hmm. lessons, we were back, back down to like 50. But like for the first three weeks, we had like a couple hundred people come to our beginner lesson. Like, I mean, we kind of, we clearly crushed it on the advertising game. I don't remember what we did differently that year, but we just like, it, it was it was nuts how many people we got through the door. But, you know, you get that many people to come and then not that many come back then you know and also too like by the time you get to like second semester your attrition rate is so high like you know what what do we got to do to keep people coming so we just wanted somebody that had that kind of perspective of what would help um one thing that I did that I don't think ever happened again <laughs> but we my my senior year we put on a perform like a swing only yeah. dance group. um and like at Notre Dame there was like a lot of dance shows during the year where it was like each different dance group would you know do a number so like you'd have one choreographed number that would be part of this whole show so there was one or two of those per year that we would do but I had the idea of like what if we just do a swing only show and um that would be a way of like giving people a commitment to work towards. Cause like when there's only say like one performance a year and you can only have like four couples and that's only like, you, you pick your eight most experienced dancers and then you put them in the show. And then there's nothing for like the newer people that are coming in that might be interested in that. There's no opportunity for that. So I figured it'd, it'd be kind of a cool way of getting people interested and committed to something and something to work towards, like a goal to work towards of like, mm -hmm. oh, we're preparing a big performance at the end of the year. And, you know, we're going to do like a freshman only number. So like anybody can be in it, no matter your skill level, like we're going to have different like levels of choreographed numbers. So that way there's something for everybody and um, giving people like something to commit to and to work towards, I think helps beat out 
of like the million other commitments that college students have, you know, especially mm -hmm. once they start like getting lots of homework and they're studying for finals and like, how do you still getting them coming in the door every week when they start to get overwhelmed with all of the different things available to them as college students. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, giving them something to commit to that was, uh, you know, a little bit more of a draw than just like, oh yeah, if I have time and I feel up to it, I'll drop in for the lesson this week. Um, but yeah, I think that was sort of like a one year only thing. <laughs> I think that was I just mean, like my own personal like force of will that was like, I want to do a show. So <laughs> nobody else wanted to do it after after that. No, I, I, I remember that show. You were dancing with Jim. You showed me the video. You were in that red polka dot dress or something like that. <laughs> Oh my God, that's so funny. But yeah. it worked though, because that year we got a really great cohort of freshmen. And that mm -hmm. was sort of the cohort that kept this, like the Notre Dame club alive for a few more years after my cohort left. And that was my biggest fear when I was a senior. I was like, once, like now that Jim's gone and like a lot of our really talented dancers were a year ahead of me. And then it was sort of like my year. And I was so scared about like, what happens when my year leaves, who's going to keep this club going. So I, like one of my big goals that, that year was just like trying to get a really solid group of freshmen in that would want to stay and keep the club going. Um, so yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Like get people early and get them interested enough that they like, by the time they're seniors, they're like, really good dancers that really that they're invested in bettering their own dancing and wanting to give that back to the club because that's that's what makes it go around you know is from within you get people excited enough that they want other people to do the thing so yeah that's really I, I gotta say like all of these ideas are so genius not just like the freshman representative but doing a performance because now I know that there's a club, there's a university in, in, in Philly where they their club is purely for one big major performance. And I feel like that does bring a lot of visibility and eyeballs to this to the swing dance club because then they can say, oh, that'd be that'd be so cool if we had it if we could be a part of that next year. So yeah. that's really neat. Yeah, absolutely. And like collaborating with other dance clubs on campus, that was another big thing that we did. Like for like a lot of times it was four performances. Like we did a couple joint performances with other clubs because that's a good way to like potentially bring in new dance talent is like people who are already in one type of dance might be more inclined to try another type. So we had one or two performances where we um, joined up with like the, like the hip hop dance team and we did like a combined number and then like it got some of them interested in coming to swing and vice versa so that can be a good way to like recruit and outreach to other groups um another big thing we did too of like just getting more people in the door was we had so many formals like every single dorm had like two formals a year <laughs> so there was just like freaking dances happening every single weekend so mm -hmm. we would reach out to like whoever the dance coordinator was um to maybe like try and teach a lesson before the dance or you know something something like that just to like get people thinking about like oh this is a skill that would be nice to have and you know get them in a lesson and you know so that's that's a good way of outreach um just like organizing a dance for like campus it's not just open to like 
your club membership, but like do a Gatsby themed dance with a live band that's open to everybody. And you get people like walking across the quad, they hear the live music and they get excited about it. And you know, they have enough fun at like one night of a dance where you teach a lesson beforehand, live music, good theme, and like people will come back. So. Dude, that's, that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's another really great idea. You, I need to add all this to a document because this has been invaluable. Now, we're getting close to our time, but I was curious if there are any university swing dancers who have a scene right now, maybe listening to the podcast, what is a message that you would want to tell them? So either people who are running a college scene or who are wanting to start one. Some people have talked about what they wish they knew about a college scene. Some people talk about like what worked really well. Some people have talked about like what's most important, which a lot of people have said like community and building those bonds like us, like how we're able to chat now after like meeting through that, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'd say community is probably the biggest part of like growing and keeping a scene alive because very few people that walk through the door for their first couple of lessons are going to be invested enough in the dance itself to be like, yes, oh my gosh, I'm going to commit to coming every week and become really good at dancing. Mm -hmm. um, but if they walk through the door every week and they find a group of people that they really like hanging out with, like you organize events that allow people to hang out that aren't just about dancing it's like mm -hmm. hey go hang out on the quad today and we'll play music and we can kind of dance too but like creating an environment where people can come to make friends and they just enjoy being around other people um that's a big part of getting people to come back week after week mm -hmm. so you can't yeah. make it too much about like the perfect technique of the dance and stuff like that which that's important for people who are teaching to know and like incorporate into like when they are teaching other people like knowing how to teach correctly but in terms of like people coming in on day one that can't be the most important focus is like okay we're gonna teach you how to do this inside turn like perfectly technically correct like that's it's not gonna get people staying because they're gonna get overwhelmed. <laughs> so. No, that's that's amazing. Yes, focus less on the technique and focus more on the tech, the community. Even though technique is important, that's amazing. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much, Anna. Uh, please don't go away after I stop recording, but appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Hey, right, so welcome. So, hi, friend. Hello. Would you mind stating your name as well as the universities slash swing scenes that you are associated with? Yes. Hello, everybody. My name is Lauren Levy. Um, I currently live in Philadelphia, and I'm associated with the Philadelphia swing dance scenes. And you may have heard of Jazz Attack. Um, and then I also teach at the University of Pennsylvania uh, swing dance club called the West Philly Swingers. Been teaching with them for. Oh goodness, six years now, six and a half years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, in past lives, multiple past lives, I was um associated a little bit with the Georgia Tech swing dance scene in Atlanta, Georgia, the University of Michigan swing dance scene in Ann Arbor, and the Ohio State swing dance scene in Columbus, and then 
associated collegiate scenes in the kind of Midwestern area when I was at Ohio State. Yes, and that's specifically where you and I first met was at this thing that you had organized, which I'll let you talk about. Oh gosh, okay, yes. Uh, so this is a long time ago. So if I don't remember all of the details, forgive me if anyone has mm. uh, other memories, <laughs> I'll try to re recount it as best as I can. Um, so I was running the Ohio State Swing Dance Club. I was president and other board positions throughout my time there. I can't quite remember what. Um, but we basically, we had a really close knit swing dance, collegiate swing dance scene in the Midwest because everybody mm -hmm. was kind of like two to three hours away, which yes. was really, really convenient for us to have a lot of like really developed friendships and communal events and things like that. And basically we, in my final years at Ohio State, we kind of created this Midwest collegiate swing summit group. I believe we met in Cincinnati because someone mm -hmm. could get us a room there. Yeah. <laughs> University. Yeah. Um, yeah. And basically it was an idea because there were certain scenes that were really, really thriving at the time. I remember Purdue was like yep. massive at the time. Um, I also think Case Western in Cleveland was massive at the time. So we kind of thought, how about we get all of these great minds together with like varied experience and say what we're doing, what's working, what we've tried that hasn't worked, when we're planning events, what events we want to plan, just so we don't step on anybody's toes, how we can get collaborations going so we can get housing for people at events so it encourages people to travel, things mm -hmm. like that. So that was the Midwest Collegiate Swing Summit. I think maybe we met two or three times. Yes. Yeah, because we had been I had been traveling a good amount to Ohio at that point. So we had mm -hmm. definitely we had definitely. Oh, yeah. And you and I competed at uh, Rocktober together, too. Like we were, we were in the same competition lineup. I don't yeah. remember that. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh no, no, no! It's completely okay. I was pretty lit. Anyways, we're gonna talk about the the, the swing dance scene here. So speaking well, of traveling, um, I wanted to ask you specifically, as someone who's like traveled to a bunch of scenes, what have you seen be the benefits of traveling as a college scene? Oh gosh, as a college scene, I think it's more about like the camaraderie and the community yes mm -hmm. and it, especially when you're like trying to balance classes and new adult responsibilities and living on your own independence like it's helpful to find some activity that unifies you right so mm -hmm. I think traveling really just built some of those friendships and camaraderie that lasted you know even to today so I do have to say that like traveling with um, my Indiana crew just because we were all quote-unquote suffering together it kind of mm -hmm. brought us closer you know yeah. yeah and for you it wasn't just OSU but like Dayton as well y'all were a pretty close-knit group yeah yeah and it was like it was just nice to be able to feel like you could go anywhere and have friends anywhere mm -hmm. right so that was I think one of the other benefits of traveling as a college scene is you got to meet people in other places and realize that like the world was bigger than yourself. Right. Which as a college student, I feel like can be slightly daunting. Right. right. Totally. Totally. But I feel like once you meet other people your age and other people who have a college scene, it kind of like puts something in common between everyone. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, when you were the president of the OSU Swing Dance Club, what were the things, I would put it this way, what are the things that you found worked and what were some of the biggest challenges? 
Yeah. So I think some of the challenges, some of the biggest challenges were definitely like retention mm. and retention and progression. So, and, and I think the problems like fed into each other, right? So mm -hmm. because it was just a walk-in type club, like we had to have a beginner lesson every single week because there were always random people coming every single week. Oh, I heard about Swing Dance Club on so-and-so newsletter. My my resident advisor down the hallway said it was cool, you know? And yeah. so always have to have a new beginner lesson, like a drop-in lesson for people. But then there wasn't really resources or time to have progressive lessons for the people who were coming weekly to really progress in advance, mm -hmm. which then made it difficult to retain those people who had been like, five to seven times but hadn't been continuously for like a semester or more right yes yeah, so yeah it was like the the retention problem created a structure that we had to use for our lessons but then the structure that we had to use for our lessons prevented progression mm. so that's where like encouraging travel was great but also daunting because it was like hey you've been here three times do you want to go to Cleveland for a weekend event with me and <laughs> that's kind of scary right yeah yeah yeah. so I think that was like a big challenge um just getting a consistent large group of people to come some things that I think work are very similar to like what works in a regular city-based scene as a mm -hmm. scene like uh, I remember one of my advisors like one of the club advisors Jamie she was like, the, the after dance milkshakes are the most important thing, right? So like being able to have a spot on campus, like a late night diner or something that's open that you all could go to and hang out afterwards and develop those personal relationships was far more important than whatever dancing you were doing during your one or two hour session during the, mm -hmm. the So being able to have that thing that allowed people to go spend time together outside of dance was really, really important. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you and I both concur about the community piece that that's like at the core, what really brings us swing dancers together, right? Yeah. Um, speaking of building that community, though, I was curious, how did OSU do their marketing? Oof, that's a good one. Uh, uh, that I'm a little fuzzy on because it's been... It's been a while. A while. <laughs> um, We're not gonna talk about how long, just a while. <laughs> um, I do remember so every year, and this is actually how I found the swing dance club at Ohio uh -huh. State. I was actually in the ballroom dance club my first two years in college, and I hated it um, <laughs> except for the swing dance part of it. Mm. <laughs> I hated the competitions, I hated the way they did the lessons, the fact that you had designated partners, like none of it felt good to me. Mm. Um and I was at this thing called the involvement fair. So every year, like three days before the, the semester, the school year would start, they would have this giant fair where every single club you can imagine, which at Ohio State, it was truly like thousands of clubs would all get out on this big giant lawn area called the Oval and everyone would have a table. So I remember meeting uh, Neil Copeland, <laughs> the Ohio State Swing Dance Club at the copy shop because the ballroom club that I was working the table for had run out of flyers and I had uh. to go there and get new flyers and I was right in line behind him and he was like hey 
you're from ballroom dance? I'm from swing dance. You should come check us out. And I was like, that sounds way better than ballroom dance. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it, uh, I guess the involvement fair works. Um, but yeah, so we did a lot of our advertising, especially at the beginning of the year, was with that big fair that the university mm-hmm. put on. Uh, I believe we had a weekly newsletter that people could sign up for. I remember um, Kristen, now Ragnacci, uh, mm-hmm. had a killer newsletter with a bazillion different colors in it um, <laughs> every week that would go out. So a lot of stuff on the newsletter. Uh, and I guess what maybe your listeners have to remember is this was a little bit before social media. So we weren't mm-hmm. having Facebook events or Facebook posts or yeah. Instagram accounts like that. <laughs> None of that was there. No, <laughs> so, none of that. Yeah. Like truly flyers and emails and word of mouth was how we did our advertising. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that tracks. Now there are kids that are talking, man, I can't believe a kid. Oh, Lord. <laughs> now I think that a lot of the college students are, have like discord or they have like, yeah, yeah. That's like the big thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say you are also a seasoned teacher. So let's say for theoretical purposes, we are in a college scene, we got the people in, how would you suggest teaching, how would you suggest like uh, the college teaching structure be? Do you suggest there be a beginner lesson or what did you do that way? Oh goodness. So this is where I think that maybe they shouldn't listen to what I used to do. And they should listen to what I'm doing now. Okay. So okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll maybe yeah. talk about that a little bit. Sure, um, so I'm um, convinced I'm like the most spoiled Lindy Hop instructor instructor on the planet because I get to work with the West Philly Swingers mm. um, at Penn, and I actually get to teach with Nick Crookshank. Also, once mm. again, I'm the most spoiled Lindy Hop instructor on the planet. Um, and the cool thing about the West Philly Swingers is very different than any other collegiate swing da- swing dance club I've experienced is that they're like a designated club with membership auditions etc so they're actually required to go so it's like a set group of about 40 students they're required to go to a certain number of lessons each semester um, mm-hmm. and then they put on like choreographies throughout uh, at the end of the semester so they're working on those throughout the semester so they're dancing a ton because um, they have like two hours of class with us every week and then they have re- chore- choreography rehearsals on top of that, like an hour a week for each of the choreographies that they're in. Um, so these kids are dancing like seven to 10 hours a week. So that like helps the retention and the buy-in, but I understand that not all college clubs can do that. Um, so one thing that I think that's been working really well for Nick and I recently is that this past year, we started our first class of newbies with everybody leads, everybody follow lessons. Mm. So uh, that's been hugely successful because we've been able to teach every dancer both roles, which just improves their versatility like tenfold, right? Because they're not like, oh no, there's only leads here at the dance or there's only follows here at the dance. There's this big discrepancy and we can't dance with anybody. Um, It really makes it so anybody and everybody in the club can dance with everybody, which has been Mm -hmm. awesome to be able to like just build that camaraderie. And I would imagine in a swing dance club that's not structured like the West Philly Swingers that that would help their attention a lot yeah yeah I would really 
Yeah, I would really, really encourage, um, I know Adam Brzezowski out in Seattle, who leads Queer Swing Seattle, um, we actually had a session with, the, with him where he taught us a lot about teaching everybody leads, everybody follows. So use resources like that to be able to get those skills to be able to teach in a different way that I think breeds a lot more inclusivity and hopefully retention from that. That's a that's an amazing piece of information. Do you find that all the other scenes that you've been at um, have like a have that teaching structure? Or have they all differed? Um, I so I think that the West Philly Swingers and some of the other groups in Philadelphia are the first that I've seen teach everybody leads, everybody follows style. Mm -hmm. um, it was something that we wanted to experience with coming back from COVID. Um, or sorry, that we wanted to experiment with. Um, so yeah, it was it was like what better time than now to start fresh yeah. concept. Um, so yeah, nice. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask because, seeing as you were also at Georgia Tech, University of Michigan, um, I was curious. Did you see a, a consistent theme with all those universities in terms of like their teaching curriculum that worked, or what are some things that you would say? new college scene should kind of steer away from? Hmm, that's a really great point. I don't know if this was a sign of like the location or maybe a sign of the the times. I do remember um, specifically like Georgia Tech was definitely stuck in like an East Coast bubble. Mm. Um, and they like lived by East Coast and six count. And I think that some of that terminology just really pigeonholes you. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you know, we can get into all of the like historical inaccuracies, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Um, that uh, if you don't know about why that's problematic, then you should look at some other resources, everybody. Yes. Um, but I think really just focusing on the basics of body movement is going to be like the most successful thing for everybody. If they can learn how to move their own bodies to jazz, then they're going to be jazz dancers, you know? So I think, um, especially what I've noticed with the college kids is they definitely overthink lots of things. <laughs> They're just very in their head about everything. So if you yeah. can pull them out of your head, like using terminology that's meaningful and authentic to the dance, but not getting so fixated on the terminology because college students are going to fixate on definitions and <laughs> repeating textbook, you know, answers to you. And yeah. that's not the point of the dance. Yeah. So I think that maybe the moral of that story is to focus on the dance, not what we're calling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's like, that's like, well, yeah, that's freaking good. Okay, well, speaking of like body movement and what the dance is, there is an element that I want to bring up, like things that it would be cool for college students to do in the future. So yeah. if you could for a second, how do you approach teaching college students and a scene about the roots of the dance and where it comes from? Yeah, great question. Um, and this is something, um, you know, no shots fired to my Lindy Hop instructors, but I definitely don't think we did much of this at mm -hmm. all really mm -hmm. in my college scene, at, at least at Ohio State for sure. Um, and I think that now there's definitely been much more of a movement towards 
all of like talking about all of that history, uh, the good and the bad, right? That motivated yeah. all aspects and facets of the dance. So I think something that's been really impactful for Nick and I when we're teaching at the West Philly Swingers is just always starting the class with either a historical piece of information or a video that says, hey, this is what we're focusing in our class today. And this idea, we really got inspiration from this old dancer or from mm. this video um, or from this song or music or musician, et cetera. So we're always incorporating that into every single lesson we do, even if it's like day one. Mm -hmm. So always having that inspiration. So people are constantly reminded of like what we're doing and why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have TVs in your like. Oh, or... we just bring our laptops. Oh, okay. Here I was <laughs> thinking like high tech. Whoa. Oh, I know no. It's that 10, would, but that'd like, be cool. Dang. That'd be cool. No, we just our little itty bitty laptop screens and we say gather around everybody. <laughs> no, that totally, that totally makes sense. Okay. And then. Yeah. I guess one of the other questions I have is, I'll just leave it free form. What is one thing that you wish you had known as a college organizer that you know now? I know I, I, I didn't warn you I was going to ask these in depth ones. Oh, that's, bad, a good, that's such a good question. I think that as a college organizer, I really would have loved to know more about the history of the dance. So I could have jumped on that sooner and like how important the the elders and learning from the elders was. Um, you know, when I was in my college scene, you know, there were still a fair number of elders alive and I'm just mm. kicking myself that I wasn't able to learn from as many of them before they before they passed away right so mm -hmm. that um something uh just being able to learn from the legends from the source was was something I really really wish I would have been able to do more of and take more advantage of 100% I wished the same yeah but now we know now we know um Yes, and there's certain events that, you know, if we're encouraging college groups to travel to that really put, um, you know, put a ton of focus on the legends and bringing in the elders to be able to learn from them. So I highly seek out, you know, collegiate scenes going to find those events and travel to those events and support them so they can get those opportunities to learn from the elders when they can. Under 50%, under 50%. Okay, well... <clears throat> Coming towards the end here, I just wanted to open it up. Is there anything else that you want to leave for any college scenes that might be listening right now? Oh, goodness. I will say, um, I think one of the best things that you guys can do for each other is support each other in, in you know, neighboring scenes. Um, mm -hmm. There's some events here out on the East Coast where they come together and it's a specific like college focus events. There's college level competitions. Um, and those have been really, really special moments for all the swing dance clubs to come together in a region and like build that camaraderie on a collegiate level. Um, sometimes for newer dancers, it's really hard to get into like, if you're interested in competitions, it's hard to get into the competition circuit. If you're interested in DJing, it's hard to get into the DJ circuit, etc. But like having those collegiate events that allows you to, to trade off and experience those things on a peer level, I think is really what's gonna like help all the scenes grow mm -hmm. together. So 
just something to consider. Um, even if you can't throw a whole weekend long event, because that's a huge undertaking, can you throw a day long event? Can you throw a Saturday evening dance where, you know, um, or like something I remember we did at Ohio State with Ohio University, which is about an hour, a little over an hour away. We did the uh -huh. Buckeye Bobcat Lindy Exchange. So half yeah. the exchange was planned by Ohio State and half the exchange was planned by Ohio University. And like splitting up some of that work to be able to make things happen. You can split resources and, and you know, plant both financial and planning organizer energy resources. So don't be afraid to use those like neighboring scenes as a resource to help get events, um, events, competitions, music, teachers, things like that. Yes, support each other. That's very, very important. Okay. Other. All right. Well, I think, is there anything else you want to add? Anything we didn't touch on you wanted to mention? Oh, goodness. I think that's it. Thanks so much for, for chatting. Yeah, of course. Don't go away after I hit stop recording, but Sounds Lauren, good. thank you so much for your insight. Super appreciate you, friend. Of course. Thanks for having me on here. All right, my guy. Why don't you give us your name as well as the university you're associated with? My name is Josh Davis, and I used to be a part of the scene at Indiana University, Bloomington. Those were good old days, dude. Those are good old days, in my opinion. <laughs> that they were. It was a lot um, of fun. So when you were involved at IU Swing, what what was your role? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's been long enough. I have to think back. But I remember mm -hmm. uh, teaching and organizing uh, and just being, I don't think I was ever on the board. I was more of just a community member at the point I was most active. Uh, but yeah, so a couple of different hats as needed to jump in and help out. Yeah. Now you, even though you weren't like, quote unquote, like uh, leadership or big whatever, you were still very instrumental because I remember you were everywhere at IU <laughs> and you were everywhere in the Midwest. So what would you say is like, what would you say are some key points that you've seen are successful traits of a college scene? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the big thing uh, with scene organizing in general, you always want scene building. You always want to think about what the unique challenges and strengths of the environment are. So for a college scene, that means you have a constant influx of new people, but you also constantly have people leaving. So mm. that's very challenging because you want to keep, in order to grow, you have to not only hold on to people as they, as they move through their college years, you also want to bring people in constantly and make sure that you're upskilling people who are coming in, that you're mentoring mm. them and helping them uh, be connected. But at a very fundamental level, though, more important than anything else is, are you finding the ways that you have a good time and making it happen there? And that's not to say, like, I enjoy doing things this way, therefore the org must do it this way, everything must be my way. But it's more, do I find the right missing piece of the puzzle that I can personally fill that will be most satisfying to me, that'll help me have more of a good time so that we can all work together and build a great time for everybody. Ooh, man, spitting facts right out the gate, Josh. 
but I mean, this is because it's so easy to get caught up in this sort of like self-sacrificing, like I must do it for the good of the org and then just mm. lose all of the fun, just suck all the energy out of the room, be tired all the time. And it's a classic thing for new organizers, especially take the weight of the world on your shoulders. Like I single-handedly organized an entire week weekend workshop. I didn't have to do that. Nobody was asking me to do that. They would have helped me out. But I just was so, I felt it was so necessary. So yeah, don't martyr yourself to the cause of fun because that is not fun. Mm. Instead, work together, share the load with other people. That also builds your bond with uh, the rest of the board, the rest of your community volunteers and your uh, student volunteers and just helps everybody just come together. Because yeah, if, if we're in a challenging situation together, that's actually kind of fun, and it's a way that we can deepen our bonds with each other and build leadership and trust and mutual care. Dude, are you a public speaker? What the hell, Josh? I tell stories on stage. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> oh, I definitely could tell. Okay, so speaking of, like, connection and building those bonds, a common theme I've been hearing from other people in this podcast is just make sure that you're having fun like you said mm -hmm. and building those actual connections what are some ways that you've seen iu build those friendships and connections in the club yeah i mean again by focusing on like those moments back then i'm, I'm having to like dial back my memory pretty far and i haven't uh but uh i i mean for the first of all like we're talking about dance scenes so it all comes down first and foremost to love of the dancing itself love mm. the music and just having a good time together, creating moments out on the floor. So like encouraging people to be silly and be creative. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to do it yourself. You know, that modeling of the behavior that you want, go out and have a good time on the floor. More than anything else, before you start getting into policies and procedures and advertising, you gotta have something to advertise, something worth advertising. So have a lot of fun. And I saw people do that. There was always somebody who like even just solo dancing there in the corner of the room is just so into it because this music is great and this, these dances are great. And so let's just really dig in, savor. Yeah, dude. The I remember when I would go and like uh, dance with you all down in B-Town in Bloomington, um, you all seemed like you were once social dancing started, everyone seemed like they were having a good time. Seldom times you'd see people lurking in the corner feeling shy because everyone made everyone feel welcome and they were asking everyone to dance, which I thought was like a really, really cool aspect of IU. I'm really glad that it uh, it was that way at the time. I definitely remember when I first started that uh, it didn't feel that way uh, for me as a beginner. I like I could tell that like people were bored with me when they were dancing with me and I got a little complex about it. I felt mm. like I had to entertain them. And so like mm. that, it really, really messed with my dancing for a while. But uh, yeah, stepping out of that and just really being into the like, have fun for yourself uh, made a big difference there. And yeah, the other thing is like, it's not that organizing isn't work because of course it's work. It's a lot of work and building a scene takes energy and effort and time and care. Uh, but we had people doing that work, uh, people who are like, you know, this is so good. I'm so glad mm. that we have this. And one of the things that's special about a scene for a hobbyist community of any kind is that it brings people together who might normally never talk to each other, never know each yeah. other because they have so many different perspectives and backgrounds and ideas. 
like college is a place like that in general, but a hobbyist community is one of the few places where that endures beyond just the college years. So as a training ground for being a good community member in general, being a good citizen of the world and a citizen of your, your local community anywhere, it's just this magical time where you can learn these leadership skills, learn how to connect with people with disparate backgrounds and disparate ways of doing things and figure out how to get along and make something great happen together. That's so what what you said about building that connection and having people get together who aren't who wouldn't otherwise meet, I feel like is really powerful. I feel like some people that come into dancing though, they may have never danced before ever. And they may be like nervous or intimidated thinking, oh, I, I have two left feet or whatever. So how how have you seen people who have been like that? Um, how have you seen college scenes make them feel warm and welcome? Yeah, no, that's a great question and a really good point. Um, I would say also like there are things I've learned in the intervening years because there were a lot of things I didn't get at the time. But like now mm -hmm. in being a community organizer uh, and a member of the Austin Blues Dance Board, uh, it gives me different perspectives and just being a little bit older and a little bit wiser. Uh, but uh, one of the big things, again, like just like I'm talking about bringing it back to fun, mm -hmm. you also want to remember what it's all about. I think we all know about, we call it like intermediate dancer syndrome, where like you think mm -hmm. that you're just like hot stuff and like you're too, <laughs> you're, you're too good to dance with the newbies. And like that is yeah, never yeah. true. There's always something to be learned if you're focused on the technique side, but then there's also always something to there's it's the beauty of the beginner, the brand new person is that they instinctively know oftentimes what dancing is all about, which is having a fun moment with somebody else mm -hmm. with the people around you. So they will remind you if you let them. And that's why no matter how good I think I am, at dancing I always want to be dancing with beginners because they bring that joy because like when you dedicate yourself to something like a skill like dancing or anything you're not going to always feel the same way about it there's highs and lows sometimes you're just so overwhelmed by how much better you want to be versus how where you are but mm -hmm. then you see this beginner dancer who is just so excited to do a turn and you're like man how did I let myself ever forget this? Because this is uh -huh. what it's about. So it's just that moment of connection with another person, being creative and having fun together. So encouraging that and again, modeling that, letting the beginners remind you, appreciating their joy and sharing in it. That is the thing because a lot of people do come in with some kind of a complex about like, I'm not good enough to be seen dancing in public. Mm. Like mm. I've actually, the other day I had a friend say this exact same thing to me that like he wants to take private lessons so he's good enough to be seen dancing in public. Well, the problem is this is really psychological. It's not a question of what your skill level is at. It's about feeling okay being out there looking silly and having fun. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't able to do that as a brand new beginner, you won't necessarily be able to do that as an advanced dancer either. So we really, as parts of our community, as pillars of it, we want to make sure that we help other people find that too and understand that you, the dancing is all about you. The dancing is all about us. It's all about connection and creativity together. It's not about being the best. Mm -hmm. I do have to say that there is something to 
something to know about like that nervousness because as a college kid you got a lot going on you're still trying to figure Mm -hmm. out who you are and so making an environment where someone can just be silly and goofy and care more about connection than how to do things right there are always going to be people that whenever we teach i remember we always taught safety first right and then we taught connection and after connection and silliness and fun then we drilled into that technique which i found was helpful um now seeing as we're going into the tail end i know you had some things that you wanted to bring up so what were some of those topics that you wanted to touch on so actually real quick first i want to disambiguate connection there i meant interpersonal connection rather than like connection in the dance frame uh just for the uh, audience out there but um yeah no it's uh, i mean we really talked about the big thing the big thing is just remembering what it's all for Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because it's so easy to get to psych yourself out and get caught up. Now, that's not to say that there's no place for developing skill. Practicing together is such a good way for, again, strengthening the community bond, but then also, yeah, deepening your level of skill. So doing that together is is really like the best way. And I've been trying to get something similar happening um, with our uh, instructor group uh, here in Austin for blues. Uh, it's been done in the past and uh, it's it's just so good to have like kind of a dialogic approach where somebody brings an idea and somebody else comes in and goes like, yeah, I like that. Also, I'm thinking this, or this is how I understand that and just go back and forth and just everybody brings each other up, lifts each other up. Um, but yeah, and the other thing for college scenes specifically, uh, because again, like no know the terrain that you're in, know what you're working with, what the strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, local community is kind of a double-edged sword, but they're an, they're an important piece of a college scene. And the way, the, the really important thing about them is that they're there over the summer. Mm. I mean, also we care about and appreciate them. Love you lots, y'all. But uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> because in the summertime, most of the students are gone. Like usually all that's left is grad students and, and you know, PhD candidates and uh, just the local folks. So they keep it going. And they also make sure that you're never really losing everything if you have them engaged. Mm. Now, you mm. definitely don't want to let the local, just the, the yeah, local folks hog the spotlight because there is so much opportunity for personal growth and development in leadership in a dance scene. So you want to, you want there to be a strong student presence in that strong student engagement and really have the students drive it. Obviously it helps to have a good mentor, um, usually a professor or um, an employee of the university who is, uh, is backing the organization. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's all about like finding room for people in these different places in their lives in these different contexts and say, okay, like how can we work together? So yeah, the local uh, locals will create stability in the scene, and then uh, can also help out with the mentoring process of bringing people up to speed, showing them how to teach, and more of just the skill itself, teaching them uh, so that there's always people who are ready or being prepared to be able to step into these roles as a vacuum is created as another class graduates. That's that's really, really insightful. I feel like the local scenes can play a big part in the college scene because I know that a lot of 
college scene leaders, they graduate college and they get to the local scene and then the college scene is kind of left in the backdrop, which is fine because we have lives to live. I feel though that with the community going in the direction that it has and COVID giving us a fresh start, it's a great opportunity for us as people in the local scene to reinvest in the college scene so that our our reach can be wider because the scene will die if we don't have any new dancers, right? Yeah, you're so right. We want to always be inviting people in, making room for them. And uh, I think what I'm seeing in in swing, in blues, and a lot of different uh, social dances is that uh, many folks are thinking more locally, uh, whereas before we had like this vibrant international scene and national where like people, it was all about the travel. And now maybe there's an opportunity for more regional scenes where the connections are closer geographically. Uh, and people are building something. And that could also be like have a very beautiful end result in that you might see more regional differences in the ways that people do these dances um, mm. as time goes by. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, damn, that touches on everything that I want to touch on. Is there anything else you want to mention for the podcast? Yeah, there is one last thing, and we we didn't really talk about, we touched on very, very briefly, which is just uh, talking about safer spaces considerations, because that's something, mm -hmm. like, if you have a scene uh, where you're having a lot of issues with that, then that's going to drive students away. Uh, because, yeah, we want to make sure that everybody feels safe in the scene. Now, at the same time, that's delicate, and it's complicated, and it's very hard, I mean, to navigate for anyone, but especially for like a, a college kid, uh, just figuring all this stuff out. So, but creating a culture of trust and safety, uh, making sure that the code of conduct is clear to everyone mm -hmm. and, you know, just being consistent. Uh, all of these things are, are very helpful. Like there are some things that are just never okay on the dance floor. And there's, but there's also different degrees of, of like severity too. Uh, so if there's, if there's unsafe behavior on the dance floor, that's just a matter of correction and someone responds to that correction, then I think that's great. If they, you know, somebody, it's very common for beginner leads, for example, to feel like they have to crank the turns, like really, and <laughs> that can obviously be rather harmful to the health of the arm of whoever's following them <laughs> at the time. So, yeah. but often you just go, oh, hey, don't, don't do that. Just, just make room for it. And like, you can have some arm movement there, but you're not trying to make the turn happen yourself. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, and obviously with different dance aesthetics, there's some variation on that. Like there's, there's probably a little bit less in blues than there is in Lindy. Um, in terms of the desired aesthetic but still like it's it's still true like make the turn more of an invitation than an i am causing you to do this uh yeah but yeah anyway so what that all comes down to though is like is is this a minor um issue is it correctable and does the person uh in whom we're seeing the issue respond to that correction uh as long as they're responding to it as long as they let us create that safer community with their help, then that's great. Because it can be tempting to just go like full on blacklist for everything. Now, there are mm -hmm. some things that genuinely, you know, and this is this is something that the board needs to figure out in every scene, like what, where is the line? And like, what, how do we distinguish between the different severities of, 
um, of incidents. Uh, but yeah, it's something that comes with experience. It's part of managing any community because not everybody's going to get along all the time and there won't always be a good fit. So it's just recognizing what the needs of the scene are, what it takes to keep people safe without also uh, turning it into like a almost police state feel where it's like, we are watching you constantly because we know that you're going to screw up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, I think that that's right on point. To that point, I feel like leadership of the club should be aware of this and should be aware that they are fostering this environment of trust and safety and fun because at the core of it, everyone's there to have fun. In order to have that fun, people need to feel safe and at ease. And so I feel like if you're going to be a college scene leader, it's going to be up to you to learn those leadership skills. Yeah, that's exactly that... right. And <laughs> it's so important to model the behavior that you want for the people yeah, around yeah, yeah. you. So like be an example, uh, lead safe turns, don't do deep dips on the social floor, don't throw air on the social floor, like these kinds of things, because you want people to see how you want it to do, be done. Yes, 100%. Now, that being said, kind of wrapping up here, if you if there are some college students listening right now who are trying to build a scene, what is a piece of advice you would give them? Hmm. Well, I guess there's a couple things. One is like, think about your goals. What do you want for your scene? And that's going to start with your passion. What are you excited about? How do you grow the scene in the direction that you're excited about? And two, find your natural mentors. Those will be uh, folks who've done it before. They could be dancing a different style, but they've they've been scene leaders in that other style if you don't have an established scene. Or in an mm. established scene, talk to the people in leadership about how they do things. Let them know that you're interested in being a part of that and see if there's a way that they can mentor you because mentorship can be so powerful and helpful because you don't have to do all of this on your own. And you don't have to build it from scratch because there are other people there who have done this before. So take advantage of that fact and talk to them. That's right. A hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Um, it was good to see you, old friend. Don't go anywhere if I stop the recording, but I appreciate your insight. Yeah, thank you, Andre. It was such a pleasure to catch up a little bit and talk shop. Uh, I, I always enjoy hearing about whatever latest thing you've gotten up to. <laughs> and uh, this is a fun one. Thanks, man. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. Gosh, I officially was president of the OU club for about a year, mm -hmm. um, 2012 to 2013. Um, but kind of outside that, I was just one of a core group. Can you hear that? The ding? Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to not do that. <laughs> um, but I was really just one of the handful that showed up every week no matter what um and that i mean that in and of itself i think comes with a bit of power and status um but i mean it just we had such a consistent core group that showed mm -hmm. up all the time mm -hmm. um that you know i always knew that there was someone i could ask for help if i had exams or whatever you know and we got like we were we were friends even if we didn't hang out much outside of dance 
Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really, I think that like, I don't know that I can really say that that's like overstate how important it is to find real friends in mm. the scene. Because if you're organizing, you spend a lot of time working on this stuff. And you mm -hmm. might as well do it with people that you like. <laughs> it's less it's less taxing. It takes fewer spoons to do it with people that you actually like than mm -hmm. you know, having to put on your professional face and go to work, you know? Yeah. Um, and I could not have told you that at the time. That is completely in retrospect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like it's not just that, but when you created that community it kind of expanded into the osu community dayton community and all just became like an ohio community right <laughs> we did have a whole little like southern ohio cohort which was kind of cool um, yeah how did you meet all of them oh my god um i don't know i really don't know how we met them um Actually, I can tell you a really funny story about how I met John Fisk. Yes. <laughs> um, so we had gone to some dance event in Columbus. I don't remember mm -hmm. what it was. And we'd gone to North Market on a break. And North Market is set up in a square, like a big continuous mm -hmm. square. And Tristan Butcher was there. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. <laughs> this, is, this is a deep cut. And his group of friends and my group of friends were like on the same path around North Market. And it became a joke that like, oh, ha ha, you're following us. And then, you know, it was funny. We bonded over that and then we all go home. And then mm -hmm. I come back to Cincinnati for um, Smorgasbord of Swing yes. in Thanksgiving of that year. And I walk up to this tall, lanky guy sitting on a chair going, oh my God, you're following me. <laughs> and he just looks blink for a second and then john is such a good sport and just goes yeah <laughs> and i i ran i i ran away because i was not who i thought it was <laughs> uh so that's how i made friends with part of the dayton crew i guess oh uh, yeah because uh, completely on accident <laughs> john was wasn't john he was in a ud swing club for a while right I don't know if he held like an official position, but he was always around. So, um, yeah, and I think that big point of like showing up consistent makes you like it, it really solidifies who you are with the club, right? Yeah, yeah, because you're a familiar face, um, and even if you don't know how to dance really well, you know how the the the, so, the social stuff you know how like the the process goes um so even if you're not like a, a particularly technically skilled or advanced dancer you you already know how everything else works um so that the people who are new will still look at you and go oh they know they know what's up and assume <laughs> that you you know assume that you know everything so it's yeah no Oh, sorry, go ahead. Didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, nope, I'm done. You're good. I was going to ask, like, when those new students come in and you as president, I was curious, 
what are some things now that you look back on, like retrospectively, and think, oh man, I wish I'd done this as a swing club leader? Yeah, I really wish that we had done just a handful of non-dance things. Mm. Um, like one of the things that I think really solidified my crew, my group, was that after every Wednesday lesson, we went for burritos. <laughs> Mama's burritos every Wednesday. Um, yeah. Ate a lot of burritos. <laughs> like that was, you know, we would sit and talk about almost anything but dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing, giving people the opportunity to do something like that, I think would have been invaluable. Um, mm. People joined to come make friends. And, you know, you can only have so many six second conversations when you rotate around and change partners. <laughs> you know, you can only go, hey, yeah. my name is Olivia so many times before it just gets old. And like, you don't make real genuine connections that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And especially for the new people who are thinking really hard about the dancing mm. at the end of the night when you're when you're just dancing, when you're social dancing, they're thinking too hard to have a conversation while they're dancing. Uh, and I think giving people some kind of opportunity to talk to each other without having to think about what their feet are doing would have been a really good idea. Mm. Um, yeah. Whether that's like dinner or just like a hangout session on the you know on college green or whatever it doesn't have to be anything super elaborate preferably free that nobody has to spend any money to do um Mm -hmm. so i think like i think that's what i would have done differently um i also think i've been thinking about this one for a while the other thing that i would do is as we're especially for the first few weeks of of a new semester is as we're rotating around in lessons don't just say your name give people like you know tell them your name your major and like what your favorite flavor of ice cream is do some kind of really low stakes super silly icebreaker um yeah because that gives I think that helps break a little bit of the tension of being like, oh my God, I'm new. I'm talking to so many people. I don't know what my feet are supposed to be doing. Does my face look weird? (laughs) It's a lot to do. And I think it can be really intimidating, especially if, you know, you do have a big turnout. I think that can make Mm -hmm. new people really, really nervous. And giving them something to like break a little bit of that tension and give them something silly to kind of laugh about would have been a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel I feel like when people show up to a club like that, A, they're interested in the dance and the music, and B, they're just looking to connect. They're looking to make friends. I feel like that icebreaker yeah. really does break that down. Yeah, yeah. And you can, you know, change I, I like the idea of like changing it up every week. Um but I the the key is the breaking the tension and making a connection really. Doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah, hundred percent. So Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Now, there are probably some university students right now listening to this. So as you, as a former president of the club, what is something that you want them to take away? What's something that you wish you could, you want to tell them? Find a faculty advisor who is interested. Ooh. Um, I did. And I know that that's not something that you 
that they'll always have control over. Um, but we really, we did a lot of this blind because our faculty advisor didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd been a dancer back in his day and then was like, I'm, I'm good, I'm faculty, I'm gonna sit here and not check in with you all. Uh, yeah. So we did a lot of it blind and just kind of fumbled our way through all of these processes. Um, mm-hmm. So if they, if, if they can make sure that they can find their faculty sponsor that is interested or will at least help, you know, give them advice for like the university funding aspects and like what you need to do to like actually be a club and that kind of stuff, even if they're not into the dancing. Mm. Just get someone who cares. That is, that's so good. Noah has said that yet. And I think that's so important because as university students, you have such a powerful resource in the university funding and being a club and you have access to rooms for free and stuff sometimes. Yeah. 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 And someone in your notes mentioned like getting the same kind of funding that the traditional forms of dance get, like the ballet school gets. Uh, I am all in on that. I think, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wish I had thought of that. I wish I had thought to go ask for the same thing that like the dance team got. Because I don't don't think we had like a ballet club. We might have, I don't know. Um, But like going to ask for the same thing that the like, that the prominent dance clubs got, the prominent arts things got, I think would have, I mean, it would have made just operating and planning events so much easier. We would have had so much more money. Um, <laughs> yeah, the other, I think the other thing, and this is really kind of pedantic and lame, but is take really good notes on um, um, like whatever process you need to go through to get funding from the student activity board. Um, mm-hmm. That way, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every year. Yeah. We were never very good at that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's like, someone had mentioned that as well. And I, we didn't do that either. So that's a really good insight. All right. Or even if they offer like advising hours or, I know once or twice that happened for us. Like our um, pack had um, like open, like an open office open house thing where you come in and ask some questions like do that if you're starting mm. from scratch yeah you said pack what's pack it was it was our student activity board funding arm oh, that's all. gotcha yeah gotcha okay all right well as we're coming to the tail end of this really good insight that you're providing i'm curious is there anything else that you would like college students or new college students to know flyer everything um i just i just left a job at uc um and i was always and like i you know i'm old now but i mean i was always looking at the bulletin boards to see what was up there put them in places that aren't bulletin boards tape them to if like there are pillars on a building especially a high traffic building tape them to that assuming that you are allowed to don't break any rules but like put them in unusual places where people are going to notice them. Um, the, we had a, like a women's fitness group that would always tape their little flyers to the inside of the bathroom stall so that you had mm-hmm. something to read while you're in the bathroom. Like 
just yeah. put them anywhere and everywhere that you could possibly think of go beyond the bulletin boards because i know as a student i never looked at them so um that's yeah and somebody i think someone else also mentioned getting out and traveling um i know the first time is really really scary mm -hmm. but it will only not be scary if you go Dancers are a generally a very friendly and welcoming group of people. Um, and it doesn't matter that you're new. There will be someone there that is the same as you, that is the same experience and level as you. Um, but that's, it's A, that's how you get better. Um, B, that's how you make connections in other scenes. That's probably how I met the OSU folks is just going up and crashing a dance event. Um, but that'll also make, I think, give it some stakes. You're not just learning for funsies, you know? Like, that's fine. And please do that if that's, you know, if that's your jam. But going places gives you something to look forward to it gives you a reference point for what you could be doing mm -hmm. um and you know i'll, I'll kind of i think echo what everybody else said it also helps to build the community you know you can't help but bond with people you're stuck in a car with for four hours on a road trip um, yeah. or, you know you i think you make your best friendships at that age and two in the morning when you are all sleep deprived and a little loopy and yeah your heart out i just that's, I mean, that I think is huge. Um, and related to that, I know all the college kids are broke. Go ask for a discount. The worst thing they can ever tell you is no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, the, the traveling piece, as for discount, like buying faculty, such good stuff. And super yeah. appreciate you bringing all that forward. Yeah. All right. And if friend. I can just, if I can yes, throw a piece of advice in for like the existing scenes. Yeah. Um, offer a group discount. If you've got mm. 10 people coming from a school, offer them 20 bucks off of admission each or whatever. Um, I know that would have meant a lot to us. So I just, that's, you know, maybe not relevant to this episode, but I think that's a good thing for the existing dance scenes to think about. Oh, I think that is relevant to this because <laughs> for my event, I'll definitely be doing that. So thank you good. so much for awesome. bringing that up. Um, but you can go ahead and end the recording, but don't go anyway, anywhere. Okay. But thank you, Olivia. You are welcome. My name is Amy Merwin, and I am a UCI alumni, UC Irvine. Um, okay. So I know that, as we were talking about earlier, you were part of the marketing team at UCI, right? Mm, yes, I was on the board. We didn't have a specific marketing department, but I mean, that's essentially what I did. Uh, I was an art major at UCI. So when I discovered swing dancing and the president at the time was putting together the board, she looked at me and she was like, hey, you do art stuff, right? Do you want to help design some posters or something? And I was like, sure. Um, and we were sitting, there was a little spot that we all like to hang out on Mondays after our meetings. And I was just kind of doodling on a napkin and I ended up drawing there's a our mascot is an anteater if you didn't yeah, know yeah. so I was 
playing around with some ideas and I drew a couple of anteaters in mid pancake that Ariel <laughs> and I just like it was on Sierra's napkin she was the president at the time and I kind of passed it back to her and I was like what about this and she was like oh cool and so we put that on a t-shirt and that was kind of our first logo for the club at least while I was there um and that's how I got started doing the like posters and stuff because then anytime we had an event coming up or meetings coming up we needed that image like on whatever we had and so when I was drawing posters they would ask me to come recreate it because nobody else was really drawing at that point so gotcha gotcha now for the college students that are listening how important is marketing for a university swing club I think it's very important to get people from around campus, especially from different parts of campus, because it's very easy. We were located on one like school within the campus. So it was easy for the kids who were doing engineering and computer science to hear our music and know we were there on Mondays. But for yeah. the rest of campus, if you weren't around there on a Monday night, like how, how would you know? If you didn't right. happen to catch us boothing at one of the like two booth opportunities during the year, there's no way they mm. would know. So we would put up posters and little flyers on every available space around campus just like once or twice a year just to get some more word out and visual aid out so people could know that swing dancing was a thing <laughs> and that we had <laughs> we were still there we were still meeting on Mondays nice now when you were talking about like advertising was it just posters and whatnot or did you have any social media did you have a newsletter or we did a very little bit of social media we were not great about keeping it up but this was also oh gosh 2014 2015 and like mm -hmm. Instagram was big but not as social media was just like a little different when we were yeah. doing it um and we none of us were really influencer minded and didn't have the kind of instagram following to make that like exciting and um, mostly we would post at least i would on my personal account and just so anyone i knew through other clubs or other organizations on campus and they could see uh the swing club was doing stuff that swing club existed um, at one point, we did have a website, and mm. I know we used it for checking in and things like that, but I don't know how much traffic we got. Um, mm. We had, I think, a page through the university and then maybe one on our own because we had several people who were more tech-minded, so they handled that. I did not have a part in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. I've never heard of, like, a website that you used to check in that's interesting okay it was very cool while we had it and while it worked I think probably it has gotten completely buried I don't know what happened to it <laughs> I bet you I bet you our mutual friend Blakey Pooh probably knows he might but I think it was actually after he graduated um I could oh. ask yes yeah we had after Blake graduated we had um another person on the board his name is Nick and I'm, I know he knows what happened to it. I'll have to ask him, but he was the one who put that together. And we had like a whole card reader to swipe. It was, it was cool. <laughs> Whoa, that is, that is pretty neat. Now you said that that was through the university kind of, right? I think, I'm not sure if that website was. I know we had 
some things that were given to us because we were a UCI organization. They just like have a few things that are available. Um, I don't know if that was the website we were using. Okay, because I was curious, being in a university, you have the unique ability to use the resources of the university, right? So I was curious, mm -hmm. what kind of those resources did you use? Did you use a room, sound system, or how did you leverage that? Yeah, we actually didn't use a ton of the resources that were available simply because it involved a lot of paperwork and often we mm. would still have to pay to use spaces or things like that. Um, and with the the dancing organizations, it was really hard. There were mm. a ton of crews on campus that were doing more like hip hop style dancing and they were huge, they were enormous. And so UCI had a fairly negative view of allowing people to use spaces for dancing because they thought it was gonna be like hundreds of people in like a parking garage obstructing cars to be able to go through. So we, to be honest, we did a lot more things kind of like hush hush <laughs> in oh. regards to our meetings. But when we did larger events, then we definitely took advantage of the campus resources and we reserved spaces through them. Um, and we were able to get, I think we reserved spaces for our Lindy Bombs as well. And then we could oh. play our music through their speakers. I think that's what we did. Um, but we often had a portable speaker that Blake just wheeled around. <laughs> okay, so talk to me about, about those Lindy Bombs. What do those look like? We had a, well, we have, still there, a student terrace that's very visible, especially for people who are coming through the admissions office um, mm -hmm. by the food court. So it was I got a lot of traffic and there was this, like a cement stage that was built into the area. Um, and so once or twice a year i think we try to do once a quarter we would pick random day of the week and we'd reserve that space and we'd go out for a couple hours and just play the swing music and we'd advertise it to the whole club and if there were any alums we knew of that were nearby that could take time take their lunch from work or something that could come we would let them know so as many people that could come out and just dance for a couple hours would do that um, and those were really effective. Those were super fun. We'd get a lot of people that come would come up and ask questions and be like, oh, this looks really cool. Aww. How do we find you? <laughs> that kind of thing. That's so neat. Now, you did mention alums because mm -hmm. you are a swing mom to some of our current dancers who dance at Atomic now, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. It's so fun. Um, I'm, and I'm really lucky that when I was a young swing baby and I was starting out, we had some alums that were really, really kind to us as well. And I know Andrew Jose is also an alum and is like super big in helping UCI, uh, which is very, very sweet of him. And there's a ton of people mm -hmm. who, when we were trying to find instructors, <laughs> we were mostly just teaching ourselves and like, we didn't know what we were doing. Eventually we got the sense that there were more people that wanted to be brought in that could help that used to go to UCI, I remember the club as it was, um, wanted to be able to help out. And there's a lot, there's a lot of UCI people in the area that, mm -hmm. that are so ready to help. Um, and we actually, on this, like two days ago, Friday, I was at Atomic because a couple of the kids from my year, they're getting married in a couple months. And so they came out to uh -huh. UCI to like practice or came out to Atomic to practice their dancing before their wedding and so they uh, gathered a group of us at Atomic again to dance and it was, it was so fun there was like uh, a little, little tiny community reunion it's very sweet uh, yeah that sounds that sounds amazing so it sounds like that that 
because you were part of UCI Swing Club, years later, because you made it like a fun environment, years later, you all still got together, right? Yeah, we still do. I've seen that group, especially, I've seen them probably every couple of months, even through the pandemic. Um, a couple of them I'm like pen pals with. I write to them because Aww. we wanted to stay in touch and we just don't live super close. Um, it's it's really cool having like a community within a community. And I think that's what's so special about the college scenes is that they give you that opportunity to have like a really tight knit family within this other community that can just kind of keep keeps going. <laughs> and because mm -hmm. college scenes are so changeable, that family just like keeps growing and keeps growing and I keep meeting new people and it's it feels so nice to have that kind of connection with people and I got very lucky when I was living up in Davis the Davis Swing Dancers kind of adopted me for a little bit and it was cute to see their family as well and be able to feel like a part of that for a little bit because they're also it was a, a sim same vibe same vibe different college and yeah it's it's just it's so amazing. Yes, no, I I fully I fully agree. Like the colleges, they all have that thing in common. Is where we're young, we're we have a swing dance club, and we want we we can connect with any other swing dance club because we have this thing in common, which I think is pretty cool. Um, you had some things that you also wanted to bring up, some like specific topics, right? Mm -hmm. Or did we touch on all of them already? Um, yeah, the main one that I wanted to mention, one of the things that I think helped us a lot in our growing our scene, especially, was getting different types of dancing and giving them a moment to, of um, recognition in the in our weekly meetings. Um, so mm -hmm. we would try maybe a couple of times a year to get somebody in who would teach a West Coast lesson, somebody who would teach Balboa, oh. someone who would teach blues. And a couple of times we did a crossover with the salsa club on campus to get some of them involved so we could see what other kinds of dancing were happening. Um, and that was really fun. And I still have some of those people that I met through that connected on social media. Um, and some of our core swing dance members realized that they were more fond of a different dance. They were like, oh, I actually really like West Coast a lot. And sometimes they'll come dance Lindy still, but it's fun to mm -hmm. see them really find something else that was like, that was their passion, that was their dance. And they got to find that because somebody who was planning lessons was just kind of like, you know, what if we had like a little taster blues lesson or something like that? Um, yeah. So that, that was very helpful for us. Um, and I think the other thing that worked really well for us was anytime somebody came to the club and was really, you could tell that they, they got the Lindy bug, right? They were really passionate mm -hmm. about it. And they were like, oh, I really I want to be a part of this. If you get them involved as like just immediately, they're like, hey, we're doing this thing next week. Like, can you come and like help us hand out something or we need somebody to help carry water or whatever it is. Um, that helped a lot to get people to stay if they felt like, oh, we're doing a thing and now I'm involved in it and like, I want to keep going. Mm. And now like there's dances on Friday and somebody has a space in their car, so go, or we need drivers to go to slocks for the weekend. Like I, I have a car, I could do that. Uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff was really helpful. Um, and it was, it was just nice to have like a really big group of people that were willing to help with things. <laughs> This is a kind of a tangent, but we had a, a 
my god we call them windy shindies what is a better more recognizable word <laughs> just an event a lindy dance a big dance for a bunch of people at the school and it was like the first one we threw and we were super ambitious and I decided like I was gonna bake a bunch of treats to bring for like food and I put out a call <laughs> to all the dancers at the time we had a huge club that year I was like hey does anyone like to bake because I need help <laughs> and like I think like 15 people showed up at my tiny apartment and we were baking trays of brownies and cookies and all kinds of stuff and it was a wild day but I look back on that and I'm like that was so cool of them to show I think one kid showed up with a bag full of snacks for us to eat while we were baking and like no one had asked him to do that he just did that because he was feeling nice um that's like that's the kind of stuff I remember yeah dude that's that's incredible that must have been like a really bonding experience for everyone it was good we're I mean like I said we're still a lot of us are still close I still keep in touch with a bunch of them um it's fun whenever somebody has a wedding and y'all show up and it's like you got three tables of just UCI dancers you're like oh my gosh I haven't seen you in four years how are you (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful friend well I feel like um this is a good way to like edge towards the last question. So the last question that I have is for any college students who are listening right now, what's a message you would want to give them? Probably just chase that passion. Because if this is something that you really love, even if you feel a little like, oh, I'm not as good as I'd like to, or oh, I don't have the time or the resources or whatever to put into it that I'd like, or I don't know where this is going to go for me. If you really love that thing and that thing is dancing, keep at it. Like it, it's so, so worth it. And there are so many opportunities available to you within your passions. I think that's a wonderful place to end. That was awesome. Thank you so much for being on here. Super appreciate it. For having me. I'm sorry I went over your time, like doubled your time. <laughs> no, no, no. You are quite all right. Don't go anywhere after I stop recording. Okay. But uh, thank you, Amy. Thanks, Andre. Yeah, of course. My first name is Ewan. My last name is Wong. And I was, and I guess still am affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania swing dancing troupe. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is that different from Penn State? Yes. <laughs> okay i don't know if you knew but we have someone from penn state that also andrew. gave their input right andrew yeah love andrew i think he's great yeah but penn awesome. state and penn are too different <laughs> to... i will say um so like how what's the major difference between your two college scenes um we're, they're really far apart actually like we're not oh, yeah? yeah no like penn state's in like the literal center of Pennsylvania, I think like geographically, the middle of the rectangle state. Um, so it's in Pittsburgh, Harrisburg. I think it's Harrisburg. Don't quote me on mm-hmm. this. But it's, like, right, it's, right. in, it's in central Pennsylvania. And Penn or UPenn, University of Pennsylvania is like in Philadelphia. So gotcha. More okay. on the east coast. Yeah. Now, what is your role at um, UPenn? Uh, while I was at Penn, my first year, so I served on the board for three years, which is the normal maximum number of years that you can serve because like your first semester, you just come in and your last semester, you're stepping out. Um, yeah. 
assuming a four-year college program, right? So my first year, I was the social director, a social chair. So I was in charge of social events. And then the last, my next two years, I was the president of the club. Snap, wait. So did I hear you correctly that you said you have term limits? Yeah, we don't have limits per se, um, but we run elections every single year. So every year um, people elect and vote um, in a very long process um, uh, who the board is going to be. So it's not like a, there's like no term limits. Like if you were in college for like five years or whatever, you're a grad student and you want to run, you could. There's like no, I don't think there's any strict term limits, but like people vote every year and people tend to want to see new people come through, like give a chance to new members. So in that sense, there are like kind of organic term limits. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of organic term limits and just people coming in, you mentioned a lot of community discussion in that mm -hmm. document. Why don't you walk me through like uh, how you got to that point and what you realized as a president? Yeah, that's like, yeah, I love this question. Um, I started in the club as like, just, I think it, for me, the initial impulse was kind of like, I'm, you know, at university, I like am familiar with like student leadership roles. It's the kind of thing that I wanted to do as like a club mm -hmm. that I was part of and I really enjoyed spending time in and as I wanted to throw my time into. And so when mm -hmm. I first joined the board, it was, very much more of an autopilot setting like I love the club and I love the dancing but I had no idea how it worked in like a wider sense I also was like move countries literally like I'm international students so I like move countries and so it was like a shift to like kind of learn the systems of an American university mm -hmm. um, I became president my second year rather unexpectedly like I was like yeah it was my second year I was entering my sophomore spring Mm -hmm. so that was pretty early on I thought someone else was gonna run like someone who was like more senior in the club was gonna run but they did not end up doing it and mm -hmm. it was kind of more of like oh do I care enough about this to do this um yeah but yeah fuck it we ball right like <laughs> <laughs> uh type of thing um it was saying that I I was talking to my partner about this and um, he was also a captain or like a president of the club like a couple of years before me and he was like you and your like desire to not be a leader makes you a pretty good one right it's like a very like <laughs> idea but like or like um platonic idea of like yeah a, a philosopher king type of energy right of like uh -huh. your desire to like serve others as opposed to like being a leader like makes you a good leader and I was like mm -hmm. okay okay and also like I wanted to contribute some things that I did care about and I think by that point, like I think I remember running like every like captain president elect like makes a speech like for when they're when, during auditions. And I think at that year, the first time I was running, I made a speech about like wanting to tell stories. Like the thing I found mm. interesting, like swingers or like the club was just like lots of things happen, lots of shenanigans going on, and like we're just like a bunch of college kids, right? So it's, yeah. it was um. I have like a distinct memory of like BTP. I think that's the last ever BTP, like the second to last BTP, like 2019. Yeah, uh -huh. like BTP. And we were, there was like the college competition thing and it was like very last minute kind of thing they were trying to pull together and it was like very messy and like also step toes. But at the kind of end of it, there was like a really funny story to tell. And I was like, for me, that was like the big part that drove me to like invest so much time in Swingers was just like this capacity for creating stories that was very... Like, I look back on my time in Swingers and I have so many stories and I wanted to, like, keep making those. And that's why I ran for, like, captain or president my first year. And then mm -hmm. that first term was when COVID hit. 
And that was like a lot of structuring for me, right? Like, okay, like very young, very like in my first like early stages of like being the president, the captain of this club. And it's like, okay, what do we do now? What what I think COVID was for me, and I think I suspect for many people who had that time and space to think about this, like a, a big kind of restructuring. Like, is this worth it? Is this like what do we consider valuable? What do we want to try to save and salvage in this like very difficult time? Um mm-hmm. And then, like, came along, like, the Black Lives Matter protests of, like, the summer of 2020, which was also, like, very, like, instrumental for me as, like, a leader in, like, a swing dancing scene, right? Um, Yeah. That, for me, was the biggest thing. I was like, yeah, like, what are the values that I really, like, like, where do I show up? And, like, where do I, like, highlight these African-American values in, like, as a club leader? Or, like, how do I, where am I trying to build, like, this competence and these cultural values in like my club members and where do we hold space for this thing especially like being at like Penn which is such a like it's a primarily white institution it's like an Ivy League school it's like a mm-hmm. lot of power on here and it was like a suddenly a very important interesting question to ask of like what are we doing like I uh like what harms are we doing was like a question that mm. my partner me right like we and like what are we do are we doing enough like here's a couple of things right it's like a college scene is a place I always I, I've in my head I think I've I've a college scene is like a place where like kids can kind of make mistakes like mm-hmm. lots of, like you do like lots of goofy things and it's just like you look back and that's like, hella cringe like so cringe. <laughs> right? but at the same time it's like okay like this is a place where people to make mistakes and like learn but also are we like giving them guidance to learn towards something better and then um are we doing more good then we are like putting out like mediocre like I say mediocre dance it's not in like technical skill but mediocre in a sense of like the cultural competence like if you think about like college scenes as like a building grounds or like growing grounds for like lots of like future swing dancers or swing people who contribute to the scene like what kind yeah. of people are like creating for the scene right do we like create people who see this as like a hobby that they can like capitalize on or, or like consume right it's just like something like, they do for fun and like it's like for entirely for their enjoyment in the sense of like doesn't matter like what the culture is or like what like the scene like leadership is like values like this is the thing that I do for fun because it's a thing that I did in college right and yeah. that I think was like a model that a lots of college students followed like in the last the first like decade and a half decade two decades like since the like turn of the since like the turn of the century type of like Lindy Hop revival air quotes here um in like college scenes right mm. and that that year and that summer and like doing a lot of like reading it was like a year of like re-examining like what like what role like having rooted like jazz values in the in the scene was and and in the club was and like more importantly like how would we do it or how would I want to do it uh and yeah so I think that was a really big turning point for me so I that I go down this like rabbit hole of like um like Okay, here's like a personal aside in combination to this. I come from um, uh, a country called, like a formerly colonized, like British colony. Like my country is a former British colony, Commonwealth type thing. And like moving to America was the first time I heard the term like decolonization or like mm-hmm. like had any exposure to these concepts. And like for me, that that year, that summer 2020 was like when this like, personal side of me that was like studying political science and I didn't understand like things like institutional and structural like barriers to like 
with deliberation and then like this like side of like suddenly realizing that this like whole world of like Lindy Hop and like jazz is also like so tied to like decolonization and like liberation and like bringing these two together in that mm -hmm. year was I think very instrumental to this question that you're asking like how the community becomes so important it was like, suddenly for me I realized that like jazz and Lindy Hop is a very personal like liberation practice like I was suddenly mm -hmm. able to do that and that like changes my perspective entirely because it no longer becomes about like how like good of a dancer that you can train or like how like fancy your shows are or like how big your club is. So I think that's like really important. Like if this is the thing that makes like jazz so like fulfilling for me, for me it was like about how do I share this like very deep sense of fulfillment with other people? How do I help them find that for themselves? Right. And that doesn't for me, it, like, clearly didn't come from, like, forcing anything upon them, right? For me, mm -hmm. it was something much about, like, community liberation, community organizing, bringing a community together, and, like, loving, letting it create itself, because that yeah. was what jazz was for me. So I think that, like, and then, like, obviously, it developed over time, but I think those are, like, very, like, crucial turning points of, like, suddenly realizing that this, like, very personal aspect of jazz and, like, jazz dancing, like, just, like, reframes it, because, like, suddenly my priorities are completely different. For like what yeah. I want, and yeah, yeah, and I think you you touched on so many powerful points there. And to anyone who's listening, there's a Google Doc in the description where you'll be able to read all of this raw, right? So I would suggest you go there. Now, as we're going towards the tail end of the recording here, there are some college students or some college scenes who are listening, and I'm curious, what's the message that you would want to leave to them from your past experience as president? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think I wrote this down and I still like kind of stand by it. I think you have, and it's just like so scary, which is why I advocate for it. Like you have to trust that your members can learn to love like jazz for what it is. Mm -hmm. I talk about this in the doc, but it's, I think I spent, like I said, I'm coming through it and being like, okay, we want to, the first like thing you think about, I think as a college student with only four years left and like you, this like constant turnaround is like survival. How do you make sure your club survives? How do you make sure you can get, mm. how do you make sure that like it literally doesn't die? How do you make sure that like leadership stays competent in like the things that need to happen? Like, how do you make sure that you don't get de-recognized by your university or like you file your budgeting on time so that you continue to have a literal budget to spend, right? Mm -hmm. So all these things like are so stressful and like, this is like, the like, the system is like, very stress inducing right so you constantly think about okay survival how do we appeal to the lowest common denominator to like so that we ensure that we get people into the club right it's like it feels mm -hmm. like a number the time like just like get more people in the club and then we'll be fine but like I don't know if that works kind of in the same sense of like people now like lots of scene broader scene just nowadays being like you know what maybe getting everybody that under the sun is like not the way to go if like mm if you want to build a scene that like cares about the cultural values of the dance then it's like be upfront with that right like don't just take in this like rent like the like people who are like we have like safe spaces like now and it's like really important like you can you lose people but like you create a safer community for those that you do have and like that like mm. a deeper and safer and like more fulfilling community for people who are invested in it not that I think that anyone has to be like it's a hobby right like people can come and go as they want but I think to the point of the like specifically in the college scene there's this sense of like okay let's just like do what is appealing to people in general so that we can just like get numbers in and like for a long time I think a specific example is that for a long time Westway Swingers did like newbie numbers to like pop songs and stuff like that 
And that like makes sense, right? And you're thinking about like in the context of like, how do you appeal to teenagers or like college kids? Um, and it's like, okay, this is like, this is gonna build hype. Like, and it's like very scary to be like, okay, here's this like thing that we do and it's not like super popular and it's like kind of niche and it's like a little, like it's like, and yet it's like super important that we do it. And it's like kind of hard to like say this to like a new mm. group of people, but like I, but my hypothesis is that it's just better to believe that people can care about things. So I would rather believe that than like assume that they have no capacity to care about this thing that I care about, right? Like I care mm-hmm. deeply about dancing jazz to jazz music, to like learning to listen to jazz music and have appreciation for that. And like as a teacher, as a mentor, and as a leader, I think it's very scary to be like, here are these like difficult conversations that we have. Like we actually raise like a really big like, issue in the scene and like dancing to jazz music is like kind of like a cultural requirement in some ways and like it's just like kind of like mildly controversial right to say to yeah like you're trying to just like essentially just like get into this new hobby you don't want to like scare them away but like again back to the point i think you have to trust that they can learn to love the thing for what it is and like maybe it takes time right like i took a long time to like kind of see it for what it like to kind of get to this point of like really like caring deeply and personally about jazz and it's like fine right like people may disagree but like I can still say it I can be like we I if I'm teaching this class like I taught the last the last my last semester I taught the newest incoming batch of uh like new members so I had like gotta spend like weeks with them a semester by teaching them the basics of the dance um along mm-hmm. with Laura Levy and like Crutchink. um mm-hmm. and it was like for them I was like okay like out the outset I was like we dance the jazz music because this is like what the dance is right like and I care deeply about it and like I think you can learn to love jazz I never need to say that right because it's just like they don't know and they're they want to learn I assume right so I just we like pick the jazz song and like by the end of it of the semester we like choreograph a number to like Jericho uh by the hot sugar band hot swing success something like that it's Uh. uh they have like a little you know it's just they can learn to love it for what it is right it's like yeah. very it's very like rooted in like very like strong um very strong and very like complex like history right like race is like not a not an easy history to talk about yeah but like it is my hypothesis and like it's how I operate that like people can learn to care about these things right so I think that you touched on such a powerful point that you can trust your members to like this one thing and I think that's a perfect way to like end this segment don't go anywhere after I stop recording but you and thank you so much yeah I always have you talk about this stuff so like if anyone shoots up my Instagram DMs I'm always down for it. <laughs> awesome thank you so much for lending us your ears on the SoCal Summer Podcast you can follow us on Instagram Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube We're looking forward to putting out some great episodes for you, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.